I've enjoyed the service so much and enjoyed the singing, enjoyed the, the testimonies. So good to hear people say, I just want to stand and thank the yeah. Lord. Yeah. Amen. Right? Just to be able to stand and thank the Lord. It's, let me tell you what, He deserves that from all of us. Yeah. All of us this morning, sure does. Yeah. began to think this throughout this week and this morning more and more about the dark and dangerous times that we're living in. And there's so many good blessings, right? We have so much to be thankful for. But uh, I noticed some things this past week that's made me realize and made me think about some things. It was uh, it was good to be um, away from home for a week. It was good to be with family, but it was also good to see some things that I feel like the Lord needed me to see. And uh, I, I, I want to say it the right way. And so you pray for me that I could preach. I want you to know I'm preaching from uh, just, just from my heart this morning, and, uh, and I, I hope that God would, would be pleased with the things that we're going to say. We'll try to stick right to the book. Um, I, I believe we're living in a godless generation. I was reading in the book of Joshua about how, after the Bible says, after Joshua's generation died, another generation arose up behind them that did not know the Lord and did not know the work which he had done for Israel. In other words, they were a godless generation that came forth and they, he goes on to list out there about how they forsook the Lord, they served other gods, they turned from the commandments of God, and he says they went after their own stubborn ways. I believe we're living in a time just like that. A time when the majority of people not all people, I'm not saying all, but the majority of people have turned away from the true and living God. They've rejected Him. They've forsaken His truth. They've forsaken His ways. I believe we're living in a time where we're seeing Romans chapter 1 being fulfilled that God has given them over to a debased and a reprobate mind. I believe that we're seeing a time when people's hearts are filled with unrighteousness and sexual immorality and wickedness and covetousness and envy and vanity. I believe we're in a generation that hates God and hates His bride, the church. A generation that's proud and that's undiscerning and unforgiving and unloving and untrustworthy and unmerciful. Those are the things that Romans says happens when God turns us over to a debased or a reprobate mind. And as I watched this week, as I saw people, I saw people that loved themselves more than they loved God. They loved pleasure more than they loved God. And it was just truly heartbreaking to see some things. I, I, and I don't mean to bring the, the, the joy down because we have so much to rejoice in Christ. But I saw a lot of fakeness in people. I, I, I saw people who would who were fighting and arguing and then they would stop arguing for a second and, and take a fake picture with just the right background so that they could put it on their phones and I saw them ignore their kids and ignore one another so that they could look to see how many people liked that picture over and over. I saw young kids, I'm talking about eight, nine, ten-year-olds wearing shirts that promoted sin. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I, I saw these things and they don't even understand the sin they're promoting. Yeah. I saw one girl, maybe 11, maybe 12, but the, at the oldest, had a shirt on that said, proudly pansexual. 
And you might not even know what that means. But right underneath it, it had a definition of what it meant. Right on her shirt. And it said, I'm talking about an 11 year old girl. And it said, I'm sexually open to all people regardless of gender. And I thought, you're 11. Maybe 12. You shouldn't even be thinking about these things. I saw older men and women wearing shirts that boasted in sinfulness and that profaned God. And I guess the whole time we were gone, I, I think I told Shasta I saw three, three people that even had on a shirt that mentioned the Lord. And I'm not by any means advocating that t-shirts mean you're a Christian. And I know all this kind of goes to, against the, the, the culture, so to speak. And, but listen, I believe this. If you profess to be a Christian, you're going to have to choose Christ above the culture. And the reason that I'm telling you this is not to discourage us, but it's to encourage us and to remind us that right now the world needs the true gospel as much as it ever has. Amen. The world needs the truth. They need to see some examples of bold men and women of God that's willing to rise and stand up and proclaim the truth in love. They need to see men and women that trust God, who walk by faith, men and women who reverence God and worship God and are willing to strive to keep His commandments. People that will offer up their bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. It's their reasonable service. They need to see people that aren't conformed to this world, but that have been transformed. They need to see true Christians that are separated from the world who live holy in their conduct and who walk in the light. This, this, this lost and dying world needs to see true born-again believers stand up and be the light that Christ has called us to be. It's not popular. It's not going to have us a big church, is it? True. I'm beginning to see more and more that truth doesn't mean big church. Truth doesn't mean popularity. Truth doesn't mean loved by the world. It means the opposite of those things. More and more I see it. I think the Lord says it best. If you want to look at Matthew 5, don't, you don't have to, I know I told you to turn to Luke 13, but I'll read Matthew 5 to you. I think it's up on the screen. He said this, he said, you are the salt of the earth. But if that salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world, a city that's set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's our calling. That's our responsibility. These are commandments to us. And so I begin to search my own heart and I hope you'll begin to search yours. Is your light shining brightly in the dark world?
Are you giving light to a godless generation that needs the Lord? As our brother testified, I was 42 years old, and if somebody hadn't shined a light, those two ladies that he talked about were shining their light. Are we shining our light? Are we being this light, this city that's on a hill? Are we somebody that a dark and a godless and a lost generation could look at and see the power of the grace of God? Would they be able to see that this God has the ability to change hearts and to change lives and to save them from their own sinfulness and from the wrath of God which is to come? I can tell you the attitude of most professing Christians today. Most professing Christians, when you talk about things like we're talking about this morning, they say, can't you just relax? Can't you just enjoy your own life? Why do you have to look on other people? Why do you got to be so judgmental? Can't you just let people live the way they want to live and you live the way you want to live? It's not hurting you. And the answer is no. No, I can't for two reasons. One, because I love the God who hates sin. And two, because I love the people that's lost in sin and I know the path that they're on leads to eternal damnation. I'll tell you what I believe this morning. I believe that many people today that profess Christ are still in darkness. I believe that many of them, they believed in a forgiveness without any repentance. A salvation without any regeneration that you don't have to change. I think they believe in a heaven but not a hell. I think they believe in the love of God but not the justice of God. And I believe it's evidenced by the lives that they live. I believe it shows in the lack of love and reverence that they show for God and the lack of love that they show for others. I think it shows in the, in the fact that they, their lives bear so little of the gospel fruit. They have no real passion for God. There are people, guys, who profess to be Christians who never even talk to you about the Lord. They never even mention Him. They profess to be Christians, but they have no desire for Him. It's not popular preaching this morning, I know. They have no desire to be obedient to the calls and the commandments of God. These things... These things testify against them that they're not what they say they are. And this is the kind of preaching that they hate. It's the kind of preaching that confronts fakeness. It's the kind of preaching that declares that any so-called faith without works is dead. That you can't just be a hearer. You have to be a doer. It's the preaching that repeats what the Lord said Himself, that if you love Him, you will keep His commandments. The honest truth this morning, I believe this, is that even people right here in our little area 
And we like to think that it's not this way, but right here, I was talking to Brother Travis yesterday, a good portion of the people in our area would say, I bet if you asked, 90% of the people would say they're Christians. But we'd be lucky if 20% of them have a real relationship with Christ. Does that bother anybody this morning? Does that grieve anybody's heart like it's broke mine today? That so many people around us today are clinging to a false hope that's only going to end up disappointing them on the day they stand before God in judgment. I'm talking about some of your family. Your friends. Your neighbors. People that you love. And that's why I want us to go to Luke 13 because I want you to see what the Lord says here in Luke 13. These are His words. They're not man's words. They're not my words. They're His words. In Luke 13, verses 22 through 30, He says, He went through the cities and villages teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. And then someone asked Him, they said, Lord, are there few who are saved? And this was His answer. He said, Strive. In a, in a time where people tell you that you don't need to strive. The Lord says, strive to enter in through this narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter in, but will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at that door and say, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you where you're from. Then you'll begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. And he will say, I tell you, I do not know you where you're from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. They will come from the east and west and from the north and the south and sit down in the kingdom of God. And indeed, there are last who will be first and there are first who will be last. Now I want you to look closely again at verse 24. Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. You need to know right up front, this narrow gate is none other than Christ Himself. He is the gate. He is the only way to God. He is the only door to salvation. It is only through Him that we can be saved. You've got to come by the cross. You've got to get on the cross. And you've got to pick up your cross. These are the gospel commands. When I say you've got to come by the cross, what I mean is you've got to come that way. You've got to trust in the finished work of Christ to save you from sin. There's no other way to go. He makes it clear that anybody that tries to come a different way is the same as a thief and a robber. There's only one way to come. It is by the cross. You've got to trust in Christ. When I say that you've got to come and get on the cross, I'm talking about being crucified to this world. Amen. You've got to be crucified to the world. Paul said, I am 
crucified with Christ. You've got to be willing to get on that cross. Don't just pass by and look at it. Be willing to get on it. Be willing to, not to die to self. And when I say then you've got to not only go by it and not only get on it, you've got to carry it. Christ says if any man wants to follow me, he has to deny himself. He's got to pick up his cross and follow him daily. Every single day. So we've got to go by the cross. We've got to get on the cross. We've got to carry our cross. And for most, that's not their Christian experience at all. For most today, their Christian experience is, I come to church when it's convenient for me. I talk to the Lord when I'm in trouble or when somebody's sick. Or I pray over my food when I don't forget. And and I, I memorized a few verses of Scripture. And I was baptized at one point. And I just live this life of uh, the same as everybody else in the world. And because I've done these few things, I think myself to be a Christian. Well, you're not. You're not unless you've come by way of the cross. It's the only way. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 10. He said, Most assuredly I say to you, he that does not enter the sheepfold by the door but tries to climb up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door, which is Christ, is the shepherd of the sheep. Now listen. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, listen plainly, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door. In other words, I'm the only way. This is it, the only way. There is no other way. So by no means is this passage in Luke teaching us that we have to work for our salvation. That somehow through our efforts or through our striving, we can earn the grace of God. Salvation is a free gift of God that comes by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But I believe when you read that passage, when you see that word strive, what Jesus is saying to us is we must not allow our salvation, our relationship with God through Him to be just some afterthought in our lives. Strive to enter in the narrow gate. Don't don't let yourself take it so casually. We treat Christianity too casually today. Oh, the worship of a God who would send His only Son to save us. And we say, well, I'll do that if it's convenient for me. If I feel perfect. Right? If everything is perfect in my life, then I'll worship this God. But listen, friends, this is a God that deserves worship no matter how you feel. This is a God that deserves worship no matter what's going on in your life. This is a God that deserves worship 
regardless of any circumstance or situation. We can't put our relationship with this God. I mean, think about just, if I could just be plain this morning. So you just pray for me, if you will, okay? Just, just pray, because I, I don't want to hurt feelings. I just want to preach truth. But, but we have these Bibles. And, and in those Bibles are the very words of this God himself. And so we have these Bibles and they're right there for us at any time. But we just walk by them. And we say anything is, is better than that. I just don't like reading. You know, I just, I just would rather watch my TV. Or I'd rather do this. I'd rather do that. And listen, there ain't nothing wrong with a little television in, in, in moderation. All things in moderation. But there's, I'm not saying that that's some sin. But we just ignore our relationship with God day over day over day. And we feel distant from God, but we just accept that as normal. We say, you know, I never hear from God. We think that's normal. I just read to you that His sheep hear His voice. Yeah. If you haven't heard it in a while, that should trouble your heart. Yeah. It should make you think. It should make you wonder, what is it in my life? What's wrong? Something might not be right in your relationship with this God. Amen. This has to be primary. It has to be the most important part of our life. Nothing is of greater importance. Not, listen, and I, and I know it's hard, but not your career, not your politics, not your hobbies, not your family. Nothing is more important than this relationship with Christ. It is of primary importance. I, I, I pray that you can understand what I'm trying to say to you this morning. There's countless multitudes all around us, even some right here that would say, oh, I, I go to Pound River Church. You know, I'm, I, I, I go, that's where I go to church and haven't, don't know nothing about their life. Ain't seen them for months. They have no desire to come and hear the Word of God. They have no desire to study. They have no desire to pray. They have no desire for fellowship. And I'm not preaching on church attendance, guys. I'm just preaching just as evidence in our life. They seem to have no desire to be in the family of God whatsoever. They just want the blessings. Countless multitudes of people around us that profess to be Christians. But their Christianity, when you begin to ask them and talk to them about it, is nothing more than they were baptized at some point and they go to church when they feel like it. That's not Christianity at all. That's nothing like what the Scripture describes as a Christianity that I see. I, I, I see a Christianity where those that follow Christ, they seek after God, they study His Word, they pray, they, they, they strive, they love, they work, they serve, they, they do these things. And what I see from so many professing Christians today is they don't seek to know God, they don't study His Word, they don't talk with God, they don't even think about God that often. Their minds are so filled with other things their hearts after other things. Their lives are all about other things. They can't even carry on a conversation with you about the Lord without getting bored and changing the subject. We've got to strive to enter in the narrow gate. Christ is the narrow gate. 
And to follow him means that you've got to give up your life. You can't carry all that stuff in with you. You've got to lay that all down to walk through that gate. You've got to lay down pride. You've got to lay down selfish ambition. You've got to lay down those things. You've got to pick up your cross daily and follow after the Lord. I'm not, I'm not willing to stand up this morning and preach to you some cheap grace that will grow our church and, and do these things, but yet risk your life in eternity over nothing. I'm, I'm going to stand and proclaim to you that there is a grace of God that brings salvation. And when it really touches a person's heart, it will change them. And if they're not changed, they haven't tasted the good grace of God. I'm talking about grace that brings salvation. It changes the priorities of a person. It changes the desires of a person. The attitudes, the outlook, the focus. It changes it all. The whole life shifts. It becomes different. Christ becomes all in all. Now, does it happen all in, a, in one moment? For some it seems to. For others it's a little more gradual of a climb. But if you're not gradually climbing, something is wrong. I, my, my Bible declares, and your Bible does too, that when a person is born again, they're given the Spirit of the living God. That Spirit dwells in them. That Spirit works in them. It creates a craving for more of God. It creates a passion for God and a love for God and a love for God's people and a willingness to serve God. It creates these things in us. That love is born into us. Romans chapter 5, I don't have it on the screen, Tom, but Romans chapter 5 tells us that that love was given to us. It was shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. It's not a love that we had naturally. It's not a love that we had before salvation. If you're born again, you have a new, radical, God-like love. Amen. If you don't have it, something's missing. Amen. It's a love that overpowers the flesh and the pleasures of sin. It's, it's a love that empowers you to be able to keep the commandments of God. It's a, it's a love that motivates you to share the gospel with other people that you know are perishing. And the truth is that for some people, for a lot of people, there's no evidence of a change at all. No evidence. No fruit of the Spirit is being produced in their lives. No passion for God. No hatred of sin. No desire for holiness. No joyful obedience. And for some it seems that time reveals, and time does have a way of revealing things, that their profession was just that. These people honor me with their mouth and lips, but their hearts are far from me. Amen? Jesus talks about these kinds of people it's not that He doesn't love them, He does. It's that they don't love Him. He talks about them in Mark chapter 4 in the parable of the souls. It's in Matthew. It's in, it's in uh, other places as well. But in Mark chapter 4, He says, Some receive the Word of God and immediately receive it with gladness. And they, they spring up, but they have no root in themselves. And so they only endure for a time. 
But when tribulation or persecution arises for the world's sake, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. You see that? They receive it. I've been around people that you tell them the truth and they receive it with gladness. And over time, when things get a little hard and a little tough, when the going's not smooth, they don't endure. He said they only, he says because they have no root in themselves and they only endure for a time. Afterward, when, when the hard times come, they begin to stumble, don't they? Just as quickly as they were glad. The same word, you see it? He said immediately they receive it with gladness. Gladness and look down at the bottom. He says immediately they stumble. Just as glad as they were to have it, as quickly as they are to lose it. He talks about some other folks in the same category in the next verses. He says some receive the word and they even start to grow a little bit. But the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in, choke the word, and they become unfruitful. It becomes unfruitful. You see, that describes many people that don't strive to enter in the narrow gate. They have a profession. They would not deny themselves. They would not pick up their cross. They would not follow Christ. They wanted the good land, but not the narrow way. They want the end result. They want to get to the gates of that city, but they want to walk it on the broad path, and it doesn't lead there. It doesn't go there. And if you look back in Luke 13, and, I, and, I, and I'm trying to get finished up, you're going to see that there's a day coming when all of us have to stand before the Lord. He's going to rise up. He's going to shut the door. And some that professed His name will stand outside that door and they'll knock. And I really want you to see this. As you go back and reread that scripture in a few, maybe later tonight or this evening sometime, and you look over this scripture again, I want you to see it. This is what they're going to say. Lord, we ate in your presence. Lord, wait, we, we drank at your table. God, we were with you. We listened to your teachings. We heard you teach in the street. We know the truth. They're saying, Lord, we know you. Let us in, we know you. And his response is, you know me, but I don't know you. I don't know you. But wait, Lord, I, I preached in your name. But wait, Lord, I, I taught Sunday school. Lord, I sang. Lord, I, you know, I, I tried to be good to people and I, and I told them it was for you. Lord, I tithed to my church. I joined that church. Lord, I was baptized and they said it was in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But So, so Lord, let me in. I don't know you. I don't know you. As a matter of fact, he'll say, I never knew you. They had a head knowledge. But they had no relationship with the Lord. There was nothing there. 
He wasn't their Savior. They rejected Him, even though they professed that they did not reject Him. They did reject Him. They had no fellowship with Him. They traded fellowship with the Lord for the fellowship of the world. They traded the eternal for the temporal. They traded the, the spiritual for the carnal. They traded their salvation for the pleasures of sin. And church, you better read those words and take it serious this morning. You better take them to heart. What the Lord was saying to those people is, I don't have a relationship with you. You may have listened to the things that were said about me. You may have memorized the things I said to you. You may have done those things, but we're not yoked together in any way. We're not in a relationship with each other. Those words, I never knew you, ought to bring fear into your heart this morning. It brings fear to mind. You need to be sure that this God we preach, that this Christ that we sing about and proclaim, you need to be very, very sure that not just you know about Him, that you know Him and that He knows you. Here's how to make sure. The Bible says, let a man examine himself to see if he's in the faith. And you may think to yourself today, you may say, you know what, I don't really need to examine myself. I'm young, I feel good, I'm healthy, my life is on track, things are well. Or maybe you think, you know, I've made it this long without it, I'm okay, I don't need this. I believe that Christianity is not as hard as this guy makes it seem to sound or whatever the case may be. But what I'm telling you today is there's a day just up ahead of you. I don't know when it is, but you're going to meet this God. Amen. It may be this week, it may be next month, it may be a year from now, it may be 20 years from now, but there's a day coming when you're going to meet this God. And the only way that you will hear Him say anything other than what I've read to you this morning is if you have the blood of Christ applied to your life. If your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, that's the only way. And if it's not there, I don't care how many people you said to, I'm a Christian. I don't care how many Bible verses you posted on your Instagram, your Facebook, or your Snapchat, or whatever. I don't care how many things you think you've done. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, a real relationship, you will hear Him say, Depart, I did not ever know you. And that's hard. We want it to be something different. We want it to be that, that just because God's so loving that He'll overlook my sin, God will not overlook your sin. I, I don't care how much you hide it from men. I don't care how secret you think it is. I don't care how dark the room was. I don't care how many people will work, you know, don't know about it or whatever. None of that matters. What matters is, is on that day, God will deal justly with you. And God's justice demands that sin be punished. There is one that's taken your punishment. 
There is one who's done the work on your behalf, but you have to put your faith in Him. So when the Scripture says, let a man examine himself to see if he's in the faith, it would do you well to examine yourself. Don't think about somebody else and say, well, you know, I've been thinking about them. God doesn't say examine them. He says examine yourself. See if you're in the faith. Check yourself first. I, I, I strongly believe sometimes that there are people that listen to messages and they're convicted and they feel like they, they, they know that, that, that God is speaking to their heart, but because they've been saying they're a Christian for so long, they don't know how to undo it. You don't have to undo anything. You have to put your faith in Christ. You have to put your faith there. What should I examine? Let me ask you this. Does your profession match your lifestyle? When you say I'm a Christian, that means to be like Christ. Does your lifestyle show people that you're trying and striving to live a life that would please God? Is your light shining? Are you walking? And listen, it's not popular, but it's true. Are you walking in holiness? There is a holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Are you walking in that holiness? Are you striving to be obedient to the commands of Christ? Let me tell you what, if you love Him, you will be. When you look at your life, is your priorities what you would consider God's priorities? Is Christ your all in all? Is He the top priority of life for you? Is seeking Him and His kingdom the first priority? Does He not say to seek His kingdom first? Seek first the kingdom of God and all His righteousness. And then all these other things can be added. Does that describe you? Is your life producing the, the beautiful and Peaceable fruit of the Spirit, love and joy, and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. These things the Spirit puts in a true believer. Now you'll not live them perfectly. There's days when the flesh, and we know Paul said uh, sometimes he, he goes about and he says, I, I, I want to do good, but when I go to do good, evil's always present. That the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We know that we fail and come short of the glory of God. And even the finest of Christians who are living this to the best of their ability fail and fall short of the glory of God. But do you make that an excuse just to continue on in sin? Did Paul not say, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Does your works line up with what the Scripture says? Do you find yourself talking about how you want to serve the Lord but never serve? Do you find yourself constantly professing uh, that, that you love God yet you have no desire to fellowship with Him? No desire to talk to Him, to read about Him, to learn about Him, to think about Him? That's how a man examines himself. You need to see if you've taken off the old man and put on the new, as the Scripture declares. Amen? Amen. I pray that we could think about those things this morning. I know that that's not a, 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 a message of encouragement. 
But I sure hope it's a message that touches your heart. Because it has pierced mine. I'm the chief of sinners. And God's faithful to remind me of that. And so it's not with judgment that I preach to you this morning. It's not with a judgmental heart. It's not with anger or bitterness. I'm not angry at anybody. I'm not mad at anybody. Just concerned for our souls. My job is to keep watch. And I don't always do the best job. But I'm, I'm purposing in my heart to do better. Won't you stand with me this morning? I don't know your condition. I don't know nothing about where you are with the Lord. I couldn't, I couldn't possibly see into the hearts of men, and I thank God that I can't. But there's a God who can. I'm not trying to trick you into being saved. I'm not trying to trick you into coming and talking to the Lord. I'm just offering it to you today. I don't know anything. It's no judgment. But if you want to come and pray, you can. I don't want you to get there and hear, I didn't know you.
hearts are clear, we're going to go together in prayer. Still plenty of time for you to come to the altar. Plenty of time for you to get down and pray where you are. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning, God. Lord, that our salvation is anchored in you, not ourselves. But God, we're concerned about so many who seem to have a profession with their mouth, but it seems that their hearts are far from you, God. We love them, God, we care about them. But we know, Lord, That it might be more that time will tell if they're not what they say they are. And so we pray for their souls this morning, God. We pray, God, that you would touch them, Lord. That you would work in them, Lord. And if they're not converted, God, that you would save them. We pray, God, that our light could shine brighter, Lord. I know mine can certainly be brighter at time to stop not been the best example the way that I should be Lord. not always been the pastor that I could be Lord the husband, the father I want to be better God I need your help with that Lord. I need you in every part of my life Lord. I'm nothing without you I want to be closer to you not distracted by this world, not distracted by things that don't matter. Just want to find my joy in you, God. I pray you forgive me. I pray you take care of this little church, God. They're yours. I've got family, Lord, that I know some of so concerned about. Children and grandchildren, brothers and sisters, and parents, Lord, that they're worried for them. Pray you work in those hearts, God. That you bring them home, Lord, that you bring them to yourself. Don't let the enemy deceive them, God, I pray. Reveal yourself to them, Lord. I thank you for the salvation you've given me, God. I didn't deserve it. I still don't today. But you've been faithful. And I love you. And I praise you. I thank you so much. I thank the Lord for the blessing of hearing about Eddie's salvation. I want to have rejoice. You get a there's others amongst us that need it too. I pray you'll do for them what you've done for me. God, I love you. I know it's all in your hands, God. You're in control of it all. It's not by the works of uh, men's hands. It's not by the will of man. But by the will of God. We'll be born to him and the kingdom. My prayer is that we can just do our part to the best of our ability to help win the you, God. We love you, God. We praise you. We thank you. We ask for your continued patience and mercy 
spirit saved. Give us a heart that's sensitive to conviction. God, give us a mind that thinks of you, God, more than it thinks of anything else. Give us the strength to resist sin. Help us, God, to be bold as we proclaim your love to the whole world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I sure love you and I thank God for it. Anybody got a word of testimony before we dismiss? Anybody with a word of testimony? Thank God we're blessed with you. Amen, brother. Anybody else? know that you're loved and we thank God for you. We pray you have a good week that you'll come back and be with us again. Okay? God bless you.